Welcome to the Diverse Minds Podcast, where we give you the tips, tools, and techniques you need to be a mentally healthy and inclusive leader. Each week, you'll hear about a variety of topics linked to mental health, well-being, and diversity that will enhance both your professional practice and personal well-being. Welcome to the 154th episode of the award-winning Diverse Minds Podcast. And this month's theme is all about how the arts supports our mental health. So on today's episode, I'm going to be reviewing the book Big Magic, Creative Living Beyond Fear by Elizabeth Gilbert, published in 2015. I actually read this book last summer, but wanted to share my thoughts with you as I thought it fit the topic perfectly. And it's something I really enjoyed. Remember, I love to hear from you as listeners. So why not connect with me on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, or my Instagram podcast page. You can also send me an anonymous voice note, or you can leave your name on SpeakPipe. And the link is in the show notes, because I would really love to hear if you enjoy this topic, if you'd like me to cover anything else. So why did I decide to make an episode about this book? I picked up this book randomly in the library. Um, I don't know what it was. I think I was returning something and the cover was really appealing. It's kind of got as if a color powder has been thrown on the cover and it said big magic. And I actually haven't read any Elizabeth Gilbert before. And of course she is from the eat, pray, love phenomena uh, that was also made into a film featuring Julia Roberts. Um, she kind of divides people, which I will talk about, but it really resonated with me. And I think we often forget that we are all creative beings which is one of the tenets of this book and also how fear holds us back from fulfilling our creative callings and Elizabeth Gilbert in a video uh, stated that this is her manifesto this book is like a manifesto for being creative and she hadn't at the time written a book similar to this and the other key part of the book is it's not focused on being a creative professional. Uh, if that's what you want to do, she says, absolutely go for it. But that's not the purpose. It's not about creating masterpieces. It's not about how to be the next big thing. It's not about how to monetize your creativity, but it's about the process. In effect, how the process of being a creative person, and she talks about how being creative is to be human, that why do humans make things that are aesthetically pleasurable or um, you know, writing, making music when they're not actually necessary for life in other animals, but yet they really are for us. But how this process of creativity shapes us, changes us, teaches us things and gives us the resilience to face challenges and the inspiration that we take from this. And if you listen to last week's episode, number 153, entitled How the Arts Support Our Mental Health, I go into the evidence and I cite different research pieces about how being involved in artistic activities helps our mental well-being. So you might want to go and check that out. And I think, you know, having lived through this pandemic and some of us didn't live through it, I appreciate that. And we're still living through it. And I've spoken to a lot of friends who have just said, we feel very flat on motivation. Life feels quite dull, even though we can feel fortunate and very lucky, but we're constantly doing repetitive chores, especially those of us, I think, in our mid to late 30s. So younger listeners, this may not apply to you in the same way, but feeling like how we can be creative, where's the time? What do we need to do to be creative and why does it matter? So I really hope you're enjoying the content of this podcast and you want to keep up to date with me. If so, then why not join my bi-monthly newsletter? When you join the mailing list, you'll receive a free copy of my ebook, The Mentally Healthy Leading Manager. And the link is bit.ly forward slash mhlmebk21. 
Okay, so I'm going to go through some of the key themes that I picked up within the book. And of course, if you decide to read this book, you might be picking up on other aspects and other things. I'm just touching on some specific areas that really called me and made me think, yes, this is this is making a lot of sense. So the first one, which I alluded to before, is that people are makers. The human experience is to be makers from the beginning of time. And she talks about this in the book from basket weaving, pottery. If you go back centuries and centuries, you know, those of you like me who are interested in museums and galleries and history and human evolution, you will always see that. You always see beautiful jewelry. If anyone of listeners, if you're interested or you're passionate about ancient Egypt, for example, I'm always salivating over the jewelry that you see in exhibitions. Phenomenally beautiful. If you think about painting, you think about the remnants of plates and bronze brooches and statues. And so you've got to think about that. People have always been makers from the beginning of time. And it's about how do we reach that creative potential? And in order to do this, we are making to fulfill our creative potential. She also talks about the fact that, you know, creativity, inspiration and curiosity and fear are conjoined twins, that you never stop feeling the fear when you make something. And she talks about this with her own writing and that it's not that she's fearless and it's not about stopping the fear, but getting beyond the fear. So, you know, this, this sort of subtitle of the book is Creative Living Beyond Fear. And she talks about how she kind of toyed with that title, but it's not to say get over the fear and just get on with it. It's like feel the fear and almost do it anyway, <laughs> or feel the fear and know that this is what you need. She also talks about this really interesting idea of around art scars and shame. So maybe when we've been children and we've been doing things in an art class or in a creative context or a workshop, that something has been said that we're doing it wrong or we've been made fun of by someone else in that space. And there is a real scar of, I'm not good at this. I can't do this. I feel very embarrassed. I'm going to put my brush away, my pen away, my clay tool away and never touch that again. So to revisit that and say, I have fear about this. It's impacting on my self-esteem, but how to keep being brave, to keep going slowly and surely with a tenacity rooted in self-esteem and self-belief because she talks about the fact that fear keeps you rooted in inaction because the idea is that you know fear anxiety is to keep us safe don't do that watch yourself keep safe so it's not about denying the fear but how we sort of really reach beyond that to say it's cool I'm scared but I'm still going to do it she uses also her own examples of fears as a child, how she felt as a child, how she would be so scared of doing things. And her family said, come on, you can do this. And bit by bit, she was able to kind of become the writer that she is now. Now, of course, that's not everyone's experience. We don't always have families that support us and champion us and make us feel that way. But again, how do we have discussions about fear? How do we tap into it to enable us to create? And she talks about this idea about curiosity and how in order to Jesus' this term, co-create your life. So being creative, reaching your life's potential, being in harmony with this idea of creativity and being a creator in any way that appeals to you, that you have to be curious. And she also talks about the fact that it's people sit there maybe waiting for a big inspiration, like a thunderbolt or hearing a higher being calling us. But she said, it's not really like that. And this is an interesting one, isn't it? Because I don't know about you, but sometimes maybe you've had an idea or you have a, an inkling of an idea and then it grows and grows and grows and it kind of doesn't leave you. And actually my business was a bit like that 
I remember thinking, you know, should I do consultancy? Maybe there's an idea in this. What would I call it? And I didn't sit down and do a big sort of, oh, what am I going to call it? Let's work with a marketing company. I just suddenly it came to me. I was like, right, okay, that's it. Diverse Minds. And the minute it came to me, I remember registering the uh, URL, buying the domain name. So she talks about this tiny everyday clues, like a trail of breadcrumbs that leads you to options and you follow it. And I feel like very much my business was definitely like that. And maybe there's something in your life where there's little trail of breadcrumbs and it's slowly, slowly. And she also talks about it. She said, you know, it's a tap on the shoulder, a little whispering that you follow and you listen to and bit by bit, it reveals itself and it shouldn't be a torturous process. So there's this idea, isn't there? And especially with, I think through time, and I think about artists like Van Gogh or William Blake. Yes, there was mental ill health, which was obviously incredibly challenging. And these individuals did suffer. And I'm using that word very intentionally, but that art as a process shouldn't be torturous. It should actually be quite joyous. And it's not about suffering. If you want to suffer, you can do. But she said, it's not, you know, it's not the art that makes you suffer or makes you feel like if I'm not struggling, if I'm not feeling terrible, I'm not doing it right. And that how in Western society, we often have this sense of if it's not this awful, big, torturous thing, I can't be doing it right. Or if it's not torturous, it's never going to be anything great. So that was that was a very uh, appealing thing. And she actually uses the example of Brene Brown writing. So if any of you have seen, you know, Brene Brown's very famous TED Talks, and she's also an author and an academic, that actually she finds writing very difficult because she's more of a verbal person. So she's, she's from Texas. People from Texas are very good at telling stories. And she kind of talks about the cultural context of that in her book. And so what she did uh, for one of her books to make it a less torturous process was to go away on a retreat with some friends and tell the story to her friends jot down notes and then quickly write it down come back refine it and do that process which was a lot less torturous for her than being locked in a room and just writing 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 and that was a really great insight for me because I've always found writing very difficult which is why I do the podcast instead because I couldn't blog like I do the podcast so and I don't find the podcast torturous actually but I do find writing challenging and not challenging I don't feel like I'm in flow I don't feel great but that was an interesting way for me and I thought hey there's different ways to do things and why am I thinking I have to sit and write at my computer and it feel really really difficult there's also a really contradictory premise in this book about the art that you do or the creativity the creative medium that you choose needs to matter to you and needs to be very important to you and needs to be the center of your essence and inspiration but it's also not the end of the world so she says that you have to focus on it and make it important to you but you also have to release it at the point and not worry about what people think if it succeeds it's like so what so she said that's quite a hard thing to hold it's almost an oxymoron in a way and talking about it's okay to be in the middle like there's no such thing is the greatest and the worst because of subjectivity and perspective but that you have to think about I am here I am present in this world and I'm living a creative life that works for me and then she talks about we know I really love this idea of accountability and stating and talking about things out loud to give them power so if you write them down in her opinion she says okay that's fine um, and you probably know lots of people talk about write your goals down at the beginning of the year and she says you have to say them out loud to create this intention and to call the inspiration in. 
And there's a very interesting Audible video, I think, that was done uh, at the time of the release of the book or around it. And she she said, um, you know, she went to do an event and someone said to her, well, now you've written this book. Are you not really afraid of people making crappy art and more rubbish art in the world? And she said, no, that's not the point. I'm not afraid of people making crappy art. You know, why are you even phrasing it that way? But I'm more afraid about people not fulfilling their creative potential. That scares me more because people then aren't living at their best. Okay, so what about, I've listed all the things that resonated with me. What about maybe some of the pitfalls of the book? And you might be thinking, is it for me? Mm, not sure. So I think some of it, some of the book, this doesn't, this doesn't really affect me. But for those of you who love empirical evidence and love uh, lots of research, she does include some research in the book, but it might not feel very grounded in research. So she talks about entering into a contract with inspiration and how in Greek and Roman mythology or the Greek and Roman times, actually not mythology, how inspiration was almost a spirit. So it came to you rather than you thinking, what's my ideas and what's the inspiration and how inspiration can move from person to person. If you don't harness it, someone can have the same idea as you, almost like an energy. So many of you might find this very fanciful I know when I've looked at some reviews on Goodreads this has really irritated people I didn't but everyone's different I don't think the systemic barriers are wholly addressed in this book as always you know what I'm going to say it is from a particular American female white American female perspective that's not going to be the same for uh, different communities black global majority Black global majority and diaspora communities in the UK, US, global north, global south, etc. You know, we still see in many, many countries how this is very much woven into people's life. And I say woven because if we think about basket weaving, we think about actual weaving. Uh, if I think about my own heritage, half of my family were textile block printers, all of these things that go beyond this Eurocentric modern perspective around what creativity is, but also that people don't have the time, you know, especially if we think about the cost of living crisis, we think about what's going on, how incredibly difficult it's going to be for many people and communities to do this because they're going to be working every hour God sends. You know, the, the whole idea as well of big magic, again, I, I quite like the mysticism side of it, but for, for those of you who don't like that or who feel that this is very woo-woo and not very spiritual, I think it's going to appeal less to you. And there's also a, a lot of pushback in reviews around, she talks about writing and she states that uh, writing and art as jobs, as kind of paying jobs are not great. And actually, why are we thinking of them as jobs? We need to think of them as part of the human experience and that actually they don't necessarily hold as much merit compared to jobs that actually benefit society, which I think, you know, if you think about the importance of arts and culture in society and how they're funded, but again, I think that's a very American, a white Eurocentric American perspective to take, not necessarily one that I would, I would take myself. Um, another thing that didn't bother me, but I have seen is she does name drop quite a few famous friends, but I learned about authors and writers I didn't know about. And again, I found it insightful to hear other people's perspectives, but there were lots of sort of eye roll comments around, oh, and then she name drops this friend and she talks about this. So maybe a bit paradoxical, maybe some paradigm some things that didn't really um, work for some people but overall I really enjoyed it and it gave me a different insight and I actually did find it quite inspirational the bit about we don't have to create a masterpiece you don't have to show it to anyone it's about you and that process of creativity that 
helps you to fundamentally get to where you need to be and lead, lead this kind of co-created life. And how we all need to create, it's part of being human, the human experience. The idea of inspiration visits us, a tap on the shoulder and how we enter into a contract with it rather than I can't do this, I can't do that, I'm not talented, I've never done it before. And we can just start and it doesn't matter. It's not a good, bad binary as with so many things in life. And it's the process that supports us, not necessarily what we make and how it's viewed by others. So have you read the book, Big Magic? And have you heard about the concepts? I'd really love to hear your thoughts. And if you enjoyed the show, please, why not leave me a review wherever you listen to your podcast from, Apple, Spotify. I'd love to hear your thoughts. And I've also included the reference in the show notes. So until then, everyone, take care. And I look forward to hearing about your creativity. Thanks for listening to the Diverse Minds podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you access your podcasts from. You can also connect with me on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Tune into next week's episode of the podcast, where I'll bring you more insights on mental health and inclusion. Bye for now.